your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom, and coming up on the show, Governor Tony Evers and City Council Member Mark Newman. And I made Mark Newman follow Governor Evers, so uh, sorry about that, Mark. But uh, with with Governor Evers, I, I have a serious topic, and I have. Some goofy ones. Uh, the the serious one has to do with childcare, and I'm going to talk to Mark Newman about that as well. And the not so serious ones. And if you want to, you know, let me know what you think of this. First of all, Governor Evers. Before we get to the let you know part, Governor Evers has been to the this side of the state a whole bunch this year, and by our count, it's like 30 times he's been to this side of the state. So I'm going to try to get him to admit that lacrosse is his favorite. But other than that, I also want to in regionally the two regional questions. Kind of funny. I uh, Grant Bills, uh, the Wisco Sports Show host on WKTY, he's having this debate on Twitter, and I don't know if it's still ongoing. I haven't looked. Uh, I haven't looked today, but he has this kind of funny debate going on Twitter on what up north is or up north, right? Like uh, heading up north. I don't say up north. I do say just up north. But what is up north? I mean, anyone that doesn't live that lives south of Wisconsin, Wisconsin would be up north, right? But. Uh, it is kind of a funny debate because I think at one one point he wanted to define what up north was, and then I think he said he was going uh, north for the weekend, which would be just north of Lacrosse or north of Madison, and then people gave him crap for saying that was up north, but technically he didn't call it up north when he was going north. Um, so yeah, what's up north? Is it? Uh, I have. I I feel like I feel like once you hit. So I'm from like Hortonville or Appleton area. And we would go, my grandma lived up north. In my head, Green Bay, just north of Green Bay was kind of up north. After it took, it took, if it took two hours to go there, that was up north to me. But I, that, I mean, that's debatable. Green Bay would be like Highway 29. And Grant was very adamant when I let him know I was going to talk to the governor about this. If he says Highway 29, Grant said he's going to be very pissed about that. <laughs> I don't know if he really will be pissed. But I mean, kind of, kind of up, that's kind of up north. And when I was a kid, up north was when. We would go drive a whole bunch of hours north. The roads would get very thin, and trees would line both sides of the roads, and it was a very just mystical, mystical like drive through these woods. And I couldn't even tell you. I, I just remember we would go to Shotgun Eddies and ride the like air rafts through the quote-unquote rapids and then down the big waterfall at the end. To me, that was when we went up north. Uh, the other times we would go to friends' houses in Crandon. To me, that was also up north. Anything up north to me was when I got to go north for any amount of distance to to hang out in the water, <laughs> whether that was a, a cabin on a lake or, like I said, like tubing down the river. Anything like that was up north. But for other people, up north would be like the Iron Range, right? Like way up there. I mean, and it could be all of that. But what is up north? So we're going to get the governor's answer on that, hopefully. We'll see. And then I, you know, also just the the idea that he's come over here a whole bunch of times. He's been here thirty times, so he's been to this area and Eau Claire as well. So that area of the state, this kind of this Eau Claire lacrosse area, every week since he's been elected, he's been here once a week. That's the average. Uh, so so why is that? You know, uh, he's he's from he's from the Plymouth area originally, but he did he was the school superintendent in Toma as well. So. You know, maybe he's just got a, does he got a little secret diner that he likes to hit or a supper club that he likes to hit? So he's always over here on this side of the state once a week to hit that, that supper club, get the Friday night fish fry, right? Um, and then when I, you know, so we'll get the governor on that stuff. But with Mark Newman, city council member Mark Newman, or Dr. Mark Newman, 
we, we I want to talk about the the city council meeting last week and uh, passed a couple of things legislatively. One of them was some childcare funding for the parenting place, kind of just to to distribute funds to help the childcare industry in the city. So four hundred grand of American Rescue Plan Act money was was dispersed, and that's after two million dollars was dispersed. Uh, like a year or two ago for the parenting place. It's just kind of a continuation of helping the childcare industry. And that's kind of like, it's, it's kind of annoying and interesting because the city is burning through ARPA money that could be used for anything, not anything. It can't be used for anything, but it could be used for other things while the state sits on three and a half billion dollars of budget surplus now and didn't do anything to help. No, well, it didn't do, it didn't, it did some things. I think it offered like $15 million in loans for the childcare industry to expand, which they can't do because they don't have enough workers uh, and people can't afford to go anymore. So kind of like a thing that's not going to get used, but they cut out this childcare counts funding, federal funding. They could have continued very easily. So the, the nuisance here is that the city or the annoyance here is that the city is burning through ARPA money that could be used elsewhere, whereas the state could have came through with a budget added it to the budget to help the childcare industry and help families. And I mean, it, it makes a, a ton of sense because people, if people can't afford to send their kids to childcare, because we no longer have live in these, in, in a society where just dad or just mom can work and the other can stay home and, and watch the kids. But when that has to happen because they can't afford to send the kids to childcare, then you're taking someone out of the workforce and then you have, all these people that, all these businesses that need people to work, right? This kind of continues our conversation from yesterday with Dr. John Robinson from Viterbo, economist there. So just kind of a roundabout dilemma with everything in in terms of, you know, what this, and this would solve the problem. Continue childcare counts. Will the governor call a special session? Would even the legislature come into session? They're off until October. And then I think they're back in session. I'm sure they take a Christmas break, right? Because you can't, can't work through Christmas. And then they only work like three. They're off the next seven months of next year, too, or the last seven months of next year, too. So our full-time state legislature, not a lot of time to get this done if they want to do it at all or just make it a fight because, you know, but why why do anything? Like, we'll make the city of lacrosse do this. And I guess this is the stopgap, the city council passing some, some ARPA funding uh, to subsidize the child care industry in hopes that maybe next year, maybe sooner than later, the state could come through. I mean, are we going to sit on three and a half billion dollars in budget surplus for a t- another two years on top of the 18, 19 months that we sat on it already? I don't know. Uh, so we'll get the governor's take on that and city council member Mark Newman, Dr. Mark Newman's take on both of those. Anyway, Governor Tony Evers coming up. We'll be back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. On the phone with me now is Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. Uh, Governor, thanks for taking the time out for us today. You bet, Rick. How's it going with you? Uh, it's going good. I have a couple of very serious topics and a couple of not so serious topics for you. But and, and I know your time is short, so I just want to get right into it. According to your staff, there you've been to the like the west side of the state, the Lacrosse Eau Claire area, thirty times this year since you were reelected governor. You can admit it if you want. Is the Lacrosse area like your favorite part of the state? You keep visiting here, like every other week well we call it the west coast you know 
and so it's not just lacrosse. It's anything along the river from Prairie du Chien to getting up past Hudson. That part of the state's really special. You know, I lived in Toma for a whole bunch of years, and that's probably why I like coming back there. Interesting folks, that's for sure. Now, do you have any, like, secret spots that you need to hit when you come back to the side of the state? Restaurants yeah, or anything? I, yeah, the Pearl for ice cream and, and lacrosse, that's for sure. <laughs> but I, it is a, it's a beautiful part of the state, and the people are rational and good thinking, and uh, so I... It's just fun. It's fun to be there, and a lot of lot of good things happening. And now, like I said, it's now called the West Coast. Now you're not like I, our. I, you're not like the former governor Tommy Thompson, where you're coming back and water skiing down the Mississippi, are you? <laughs> when donkeys fly, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way I'll be doing that. I I like more sedate things. No, I I, I won't be on on the skis in, in the Mississippi. Tony Evers likes to, he's a tubing guy. He's a tubing guy. Um, all right. I, I want to get into yeah. some serious stuff. This is a thing that was in your budget. It was removed from the budget. It's been a big fight. I've had multiple people on my show to talk about this. Child care center funding. This is a battle we, we, we're we still continuing. You want to continue what's called child care counts. You veto pen some of the tax cuts for the higher income people in the state. So we still have $3.5 billion in budget surplus that we've been sitting on for I want to say like 19 months we've been sitting on billions of budget surplus. Uh, do you anticipate a deal getting done here? I have some I have I have some advice for you, but like, what's your plan? Well, I, I sure hope so. I visited, in fact, just yesterday I was at a child care place in Montello, Wisconsin, run by two really extraordinary women, a mom and a, and a daughter. And they do great things. The work that they do allows people to go to work and know that their kids are getting a great early education and their ability to move, you know, to continue on is uh, questionable. And they've, they've invested a lot in it. They've been open several years and they do good work. That's the way, that's the, that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to take out, you know, lots of people out of the workforce because these child care folks, they have to give up because they don't, they, they don't have the resources to do it. And that would impact our economy, bottom line. Is it a matter of calling a special session? Is it a matter of getting the population to call to call on the legislature to have an extraordinary session? Anything? Yeah, the latter. I mean, clearly, uh, I, I'm, I'm all for it. I, I'd do it in a nanosecond uh, if, if I thought we would be able to accomplish something. I know those two women that I just talked to the other day, they're going to be talking to their state representatives we, we have to get something done here, but yes, I might call special session, but frankly, I'd like to have people in the state of Wisconsin call their state reps and say, this is important. This is important for me personally, because there, there, there will be many of these places closing their doors. By our count, the Republicans in the legislature have gaveled in and out of your special sessions 11 times. So this would be a dozen. That's a good number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, if if I knew if I knew that there's a chance that they would consider it, I mean, it would put some pressure on them. But they they can get that pressure. It's more important for them to get that pressure from from their local folks. I mean, there's just no there's no reason not to do this, none whatsoever. And if you're a Republican, you care about the economy, you're going to be disappointed that uh, you didn't help out. Okay, see what you think of this idea. Yeah, as you were running for the first time for governor, Republicans used the budget surplus. I think we had $385 million in budget surplus back then, your first uh, time running. And they used that. They used about $122 million to give 
families, each $100 to each kid 18 and under. So just use Scott Walker's plan and give instead of $100 because we have, you know, a billion billions of budget surplus. Just ask the legislature to use Scott Walker's plan. Yeah, that's OK. But I prefer to have the, 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 the workers, the people that are doing the work for those kids. See, just giving that back to parents to spend on that. I, I understand that's a possibility, but that's not sustainable. What is sustainable is making sure that those child care workers get enough pay that the the system itself is in a good shape so that they're not closing down child care operations instead of expanding them. Okay, so the idea with child care counts is to give the money to the centers and then to let the centers raise pay for workers. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, just the cost of doing it. Cost of doing business goes up every year. And if we're concerned about uh, having child care being available to people, no matter where they live in the state of Wisconsin, we shouldn't have any deserts. We do have child care deserts in, in the state of Wisconsin. If we provide the resources to those providers, it would be a great help for our economy. Yeah, Lacrosse just passed last week another 400000 in ARPA funding, American Rescue Plan Act funding, to uh, for child care assistance. And that's on top of the $2 million we spent a couple of years ago to do this. So we're, we're burning through ARPA money as the legislature, again, sits on $3.5 billion for 19 months now. Yeah, it is going to impact our economy. Simple as that. When uh, I was up in, I think it was the Eau Claire area, a provider that provided for 100 kids every day, their chances going out of business is real strong. Okay, so that's a hundred kids. That's that's, a, that's maybe a hundred families, maybe a few more or a few less. Hundred families that mom and dad got to figure out who's not going to go to work. We're speaking with Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers. Governor, I, I do a podcast with Lacrosse County Democratic Party Chair William Garcia, and his his idea, his grand scheme for childcare would just you would continue K through twelve education, but all the way down. So. Kids would start public education as soon as, instead of child care, it would just be public education. What do you think of that idea? Well, let's take care of what we have now. <laughs> and what we have now is a system where three and four and two and one-year-olds are, are going to child care centers. And let's, let's take care of that first, and then we can figure out whether we should be making this part of the, the public, uh, public system. we got a good system right now. I, I'd like to make sure that that works first. All right. You're short on time. Before you go, I know you've got about a minute and a half here. Can you define to us what up north is or up north is a lot of people say I'm from Appleton, the Appleton area. I think you're from a little south of there. So Plymouth. So up north to anyone outside of Wisconsin, south of us, obviously, Wisconsin would be up north. But some people say it's Highway 29. Some people say it's like Rhinelander. Some people say you got to get up to the Superior Duluth. Maybe with a, a up north would be a town with the word iron in its name. What do you think up north is in Wisconsin? I've been to Iron River. That's in the northern part of the state. But I will tell you, I think it is a frame of mind. It is not necessarily a location on a map. It's a frame of mind. And I think it's a frame of mind that's a positive one. You can be up north if you live in Janesville. It's a frame of mind. All right. That's a very political answer from you. I wanted something defined. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm up north. My frame of mind up, is up north, I'd say, more than half the time. I No. And it's not because I'm above certain landmarks in the state. It's all in the head. It's all in the head. It's all in the head. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Governor, for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. You too. Wisconsin yeah, Governor Tony Evers. All right. We'll take a break. We'll be back. Taxi mixed another radio and a Jay-Z.
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. In studio with me here is City Council Member Mark Newman, and I brought you on, Mark. Thank you for coming on a couple days after here the City Council meeting, where we pass a bunch of legislation, and you know sometimes we hear about it, other times we don't. I'm just happy to be here anytime and talk to your audience. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Let's start with, because I had the governor on, and we talked about the child care counts continuing that federal program. City Council passed Thursday $400,000 to the parenting place to kind of oversee helping the child care industry in the city. And then this is on top of the $2 million that we did, what, a year ago or two years ago, using American Rescue Plan Act money. Can you just kind of explain what they're doing and what gets the, the need here? Sure. So when we appreciated that we had the federal money, one of the things that the council did was to give guidance to our, our mayor and his, his team on how we would want to spend this money. And one of those avenues for making investment was in the support of child care. Now, the city itself, we're not real experienced necessarily as staff. And so we engaged with the family place who is the, par- the parenting, place. Our parenting place that is very experienced. I mean, that's their wheelhouse. So we engaged with them to take a con- to offer them to um, do a contract that they would be able to invest this supportive money for child care in La Crosse. After one year, they had some great successes, and the council chose to forward that to another year so that we can continue these successes for the support of children um, in La Crosse. Now, do they come at you with a plan? This is did did multiple places come at you and here's our plan or maybe is it like a ROI, ROA or what yeah, you know requ- request for services RF RFS RFS yeah, yeah. is that how that works R- and then R- did, R- did they have the best plan you know I can't remember back <laughs> that far how that actually came down a year ago but this time around because they were successful they uh, submitted a request to continue their uh, work and uh, the city was happy to continue to invest through this avenue do you, what are some of the dilemmas that the child care, from, from your perspective on the city council, that you hear from child care providers and families, I guess, when it comes to that? I think it's a huge problem. Um, personally, I guess I don't have a lot of stories, but um, understanding sort of overarching that it's a huge problem for families. And I can, well, I can hear this from my own, you know, grandchildren, uh, our children and their children, is that we spend a huge amount of money as parents trying to find a safe place for our children to get social uh, engagement and to be while we're working. And this is an ongoing problem for all parents in all, all corners of our economy. And um, we here in La Crosse, we are trying to do something positive in the right direction. Yeah, I think that some of the things that I've heard are it's it's not even just we don't a we don't have enough childcare centers, but b even if we did, we wouldn't have enough workers to run those centers because the pay isn't high enough. So it's like this, this like three tiered and there's probably multiple tiers to that. Uh, it's workers and then worker pay. But then after that, then we could open more childcare centers. And then there's so many children that need to, you know, that just don't have a home, so to speak during the day when parents are at work. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And so it's, Finding the workers, educating the workers, supporting them so that they can gain the skills to do a job that is really a skilled position, which is, as you just alluded to, in, in general, is underpaid. But it's also giving support to the child care centers and those who are organizing them, the, um, the, the actual centers and their uh, administrative structure, and to have professional um, operations. As a former pediatrician, I have the very unfortunate um, memory of circumstances of children not being cared for in professional health care centers. 
and um, having um, experienced very serious injury. So this is a very important thing in our culture, in our city, and that is to have experienced, equipped, and well-capable um, providers and to support them with the education that they need. The, the one tier that I forgot is affordability. The, the families need to be able to afford these places because if we make this unaffordable, then only, you know, essentially like rich, richer families, kids will be able to get this extra sort of education. And, uh, you know, like the, the lower class, middle class, poor class people, usually everyone's working in those families. So nobody would be home during the day. So, I, you know, I don't know what you do because then you have kids watching kids. There was an incident this this past month mm-hmm. where I, I believe it, it stemmed from a kids watching kids and a, and a child ended up dying. Yep, that's true. I, I don't know that story specifically, but that kind of well, story and I don't, happens. And I don't know the specifics of yeah. it if it was, you know, this kid was actually watching kids and, you know, there might be, we, we don't we don't have all the details on that yet. He was actually in court today. Um, but the the affordability of these places is, is kind of the, the, the other step. And, and I just... I don't know, like uh, talking to the governor, I'm like, well, it would it be about giving money to families or giving money to these child care centers? And then, you know, how is that money going to be best be used? So, um, all right. Second thing that the, the city council did uh, was something I don't, I don't even know what you guys did, because it has to do with parks and camping in parks, which is already illegal after 11 p.m. In, at first, from what I was reading. At first, what I thought you were going to do is you passed some legislation or amended some legislation, right? Is that kind of how that works Uh, in rules for camping? And what I thought it was going to be was when somebody comes to a park with just a pile of stuff, like you have your carts. We all know who we're talking about, right? And it's just like you have this pile of stuff. That's going to be illegal. You can't bring your pile of stuff in. And the mayor last week, Monday, said, no, that's that's not it at all. That's not what we're doing. So can you explain to me? The amended rules for city parks, which is essentially to kind of uh, I, I combat homelessness in parks. I, I, you know, combat sounds like a, a, the, the wrong phrase there, too. So our ordinance c- contains a section called 32-5 that makes it illegal to camp in places that are designated as no camping places. And these designations are made by the Board of Public Works. And they are signified by uh, a no parking sign. The, no camping. Or no camping sign. Thank you. And um, the, um, the staff would find that sometimes these signs would be taken down, and the ordinance did not have a fleshed-out definition of what camping entails. And so the original amendment was to update, so to speak, that ordinance that comes from uh, legislation in 1980 in order to better define what we mean by camping and also to liberate um, the dependence on the presence of signs. And so we amended that. That was what came out in June, and we amended it for the July, this current uh, legislative cycle, so that the signs would no longer be the defining characteristic because we would, if an area was no camping, it would be signified, for example, on a list on our city web, website. Right. So people can't deface it or tear it down. Right, because what's happening is 
somebody just takes the sign. Right. Just, the sign. Throw the, if I throw the no camping sign or I turn it over or I kick it down, then I can camp here. Right. Uh, kind of funny. That's what I do out in the street now. I kick over the no parking signs and then I can park there legally. It doesn't make any sense that that would be. So you had to. It's kind of dumb, right? Like you right. had to write legislation that says, hey, if somebody takes the, the sign, you still can't camp here. Exactly. So we straightened that out. And then we also did a lot to define what we mean by camping. And then... Okay, but what is that? Like, what, what do you know that, like, what oh. was camping and what is camping? Oh, gosh, I don't have, do we have to, Did we have to add, like, blow-up mattresses? Because in the 80s, we didn't have very good blow-up mattresses. No, I'm just kidding, but, like... Right. Um, so, I don't have the language in front of me, uh, Rick, but... Even if you read the language from the city council, it would be, like, mumbo-jumbo. That not, whereas <laughs> the city of La Crosse, blah, 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 you know. Right. Well, well sum it up. What do you, like, take, take a stab at, like... Well, essentially, it's having what you need in order to stay overnight and also to to cook, and um, it does and, and not to have all kinds of extra paraphernalia. But all, you know, these are camping implements, and these are the things that cannot be in your campsite. So, was I right at all that when you bring a bunch of stuff to a, or when you have that stuff? Like when, like, so what? You can't bring that stuff to a park anymore. Well, that's or? not camping anymore, I guess. When you got all this other stuff, right? So is that? Am I? Was I right at the beginning? When you bring this stuff to a park during the, when you're there during the day, you can do kind of whatever you want, right? You're there, you're there. It's it's a park. Or is there some? Is there now some legality to that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was so that right. W- right. So that wouldn't be tolerated, right? All right. So what is it? No shopping carts. I mean, I I don't know. I don't like. Boy, Rick, I wish I'd Jake brought the language with me. Sorry, <laughs> it's easy to find. Okay, it's it's in the it's in the city council website. Yeah. They passed that amendment. Um, okay, so but this all stems from a lot of conversation. In how many people? I, I don't know. People coming to you personally, like emailing you to calling you, and and then obviously you've seen this in public sessions, uh, various ways, right? Parks, parks department, uh, and other parks board, I should say, and other stuff. Right. So let me just finish what happened then. So thir- this last Thursday, oh, right, sorry. there yep. was a second amendment to the first amendment. So there was a reg- resolution to adapt the 32-5 ordinance. Then there was an amendment on that uh, resolution. Now there was a second re- amendment to the, second amend- the first amendment. And that second amendment stated clearly that there will be no lawful park um, camping in parks or on camping uh, on parking ramps. Yeah. So that was just stated clearly, boldface, and um, that was what we passed. So it's a better definition of what camping means, um, how it's signified, and that last edition included it is just going to be unlawful for camping to occur in our parks and on our parking ramps and it gives police a little bit more legality to approach someone because police can't you can't just tell somebody a thing if it's not in in the books right so it gives them a little bit more leeway or legality to to kind of hey you can't be here after 11 and that's what that's what we want in our legislation and in our ordinance in our law we want it to be clear and concise we don't want it to be sort of guessy guessing or arbitrary and so by defining things more carefully that it that way makes doing the work of maintaining some order easier. Um, and it, but on the other hand, we have to remember that those who are from the city staff and the police department working with people who are 
uh, locating their uh, living arrangements in our public space, oftentimes the tools that we have to work with are quite limited. In other words, you can give a citation, but what does that mean to somebody who doesn't have the means to pay the citation or a bank account to worry about it? Right. We've, we, Mitch has said on the show in the past, I think I have the clip, he said the judge is going to throw those, usually throw those out anyway. Right. It's just a weak tool, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so what our um, security people and our police department and our parks um, staff end up doing is establishing relationships and negotiations with people that are in those positions. And um, because the options otherwise, other than these relationships and uh, working together to solve the problem, if, if, if it's not done that way, what are our options? I mean, we, we don't have an apartheid in our country. We have no legal means for putting people on a, on a truck and saying you have to leave this spot. And if we are just going to impose a ticket, so to speak, what difference will it make yeah, to that people that, that are concerned? Matter. So we're in a position of needing, but on the other hand, when we have people who want to you know, occupy space in our, in our parks, that's an injustice to the other me members of our community who want to use those parks as well. And so it's a real conundrum for our staff and police department to work out a solution that is um, long-lasting and fair. We're speaking with City Council Member Mark Newman, and last year, obviously, we designated camping in Huska Park. And and some even I've I've had the Barb Jansen on here said you know that 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 plan isn't always the best either because she kind of described it as if all the homeless people stay at one place it's kind of it kind of brings everybody down like there there's no they can just go there and hang out there's no ability to you know what I should go to uh, one of these entities that helps me get back on my feet so you kind of just have a place to go and hang out and then there's no a little bit of a push to, to, to go get help, right? When we make a campground, there, there's a lot of liability that goes along with that. Because if you establish a campground, you're saying that you're going to have a place to take care of your biological needs. You're going to be able to have some hygiene, clean, and showers. You're going to have a safe place to make a, a cooking arrangement. These, you know, a KOA campground has a lot of um, regulation, for right. example. And so the city establishing a campground would have to be willing to take on that type of liability, which means we have to have the resources, the staff, and uh, the financial resources to pay those, that staff to actually provide that infrastructure, both human infrastructure and material infrastructure. I think we tried at uh, Husqvarna Park, but uh, unfortunately, we, I, I, in my perspective and my personal opinion, that was the biggest shortcoming, is that we did not have that human infrastructure to uh, provide along with the space. And rec recognizing that, it's really not a good idea just to go back and repeat that yeah, kind a, of effort. It's a burden. It doesn't appear to, to be all that helpful. The other thing, too, you mentioned, you kind of talking about the, the law enforcement and stuff working and establishing relationships. There's a burden here on law enforcement, too. Like our police, they have to become like homeless experts, like, hey, if, you, if you're going to talk to somebody that's unsheltered, that's at a park, and you got to tell them, you got to tell them where to go, what they can do, like, they, they almost have to be, you know, like, study this a little bit to go, okay, here's your options, this is what you could do, and tomorrow, this is what you could do, too. Absolutely, and that's what's happening. Do you think there's, do you think a lot of people that are unsheltered right now, just, do they not have, do they not know about these there's a lot of groups in, in town that are helping homeless people. And we don't hear from them a lot, but... 
All we hear from is the city is failing the homeless people, which I, I, I don't know if, if that's fair or not. I think we have to be fair and recognize that it's a national problem, not a municipal problem. Now, the municipalities are the ones that end up seeing the sort of the point of the spear when it comes to this. But the number of people who are on this uh, on our lowest echelons of our economic ladder are just larger than they were in the past. And we all, you know, we take advantage of opportunities and sometimes uh, we get kicks and we go down. But if we get too many kicks and not enough opportunities, then we fall lower and lower on that ladder. And where can we go? At that point, we are on the street. At that point, we are in, in parks. And that's what we're facing. Now, you know, um, the municipalities then see it. They see it up front. And some municipalities have other resources that they're able to provide some infrastructure uh, for the, the people who are on this lowest rung. Which is something the, the city has tried to do but hasn't we been able have, to come through yet. But we do have a plan that was announced a month ago, a little two months ago maybe, uh, six, eight weeks ago, um, to more collaboration with the county because there are county resources that are not av directly available to the city because the county has resources for human services that the city does not. And so we hopefully will have a plan that's going to be more constructive going forward. It's going to take some time to actually get that, th that started, but it's targeted to be really uh, up and running in 2024. Yeah, I think people get a little impatient, I think. We had a pandemic, and then that kind of like boosted this homeless situation. And and now it's it's I don't know I don't know if the numbers are rising all that much but they're like they're just they're in that they're not in Huska right now they're in other parks and and people are upset about that and no the, the numbers are rising they are across okay. the, oh my gosh you know uh, some some of the warmer states like California for example well I meant I meant like here the numbers oh I, I oh here we don't do they, we don't they are do a little all that often yeah and the. Well, listening to those who are engaged, I hear that the numbers are increased over maybe two or three years ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right, that not makes sense. Not startling, so but it's going up, not down. Yeah, and then the, the five-year plan that they announced, you know, with the homeless coordinator in the county uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, a few weeks ago, that's, that's where, like, a five-year plan, like, we need a five-month plan, right? Because winter is right. coming, too, so then it's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that urgency that you just descri um, described, uh, Rick, is something that, um, I that that's one of the things I worry about is that people do want an immediate solution, and then when they don't see the immediate solution, it's just another confirmation in some people's minds that um, we're just failing, that our government's failing us, our local government's failing us, um, because they don't see that immediate. And uh, unfortunately, that's, uh, that's something I, I really regret and wish that we could, you know, well, a, work around. It's a double-edged sword, too, because, like, the, our local government's failing those people that are unsheltered in the parks, and then our local government's failing by not kicking those people that are unsheltered in the parks out of our parks so that I can use the parks and, and feel safer about it, you know? So, like, it's such a, it's such a like, dicey dilemma. Right. It's, it's a community problem. It's, it's something shared by our whole community. That's Lacrosse City Council member Mark Newman. All right, Mark, thanks for joining me. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. You were supposed to say thanks there, but you didn't. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Thanks again to Governor Tony Evers and City Council Member Dr. Mark Newman for joining. A little disappointed, I have to say. A little disappointed in the governor as a politician not defining what up north means. And I kind of ranted about it at the beginning of the show. If you didn't if you didn't hear it, uh, you could listen to the, to the interview here at wisdomnews.com slash podcast when I, when I post it later today. But the governor asked him to define what up north is as we debate this on Twitter with Wisco Sports Show host Grant Bills on WKTY. What is up north? Is it just north? Is Wisconsin up north? Because Highway 29 can't be up north. Because would you consider Minneapolis up north? Do you have to have iron in your city name to be considered up north? Is Rylander the 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 spot that is considered up north? So, Governor Tony Evers, you can listen to the podcast. He he gave me the political politician's answer. He just said it was a state of mind. He also kind of said uh, he's uh, he's like half the time he's in that state of mind, which was kind of a funny thing. <laughs> wish we all I wish we all could be there. I mean, some would argue that I'm I have that up north state of mind most of the time as well. Um, but we also got his take on uh, visiting lacrosse. He's done that 30 times this year, the lacrosse-Eau Claire area. He's been over here 30 times this year. And then also talked to him about child care accounts and extending uh, subsidies for the child care industry as well. Uh, talked to Mark Newman about that as well. And the homeless situation. So the, the, the homeless situation that, you know, very difficult problem to solve. Council passed some legislation there. Anyway, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll do it all again tomorrow.